This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Well, hello, everybody. This is Hal. And this is Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You know, Hal, it was a delightful Christmas season. I love Christmas anyway. Right. But our real celebration comes after the mailing deadline when we're done shipping packages. Right. And everybody gathers around and we spend that time with the family focused on Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was awesome having everybody home this year. And yeah, and I don't know how often that's going to happen in the future, you know, because we've got one married and we've got several that have moved on and are doing their own grown up things. So they don't live with us anymore. And it's, you know, it's a it's a precious thing when we can get them all together in one room. You know what I think the most precious moment for me was? What? I think it was Christmas Eve. Okay. And, you know, we we do kind of a family party on Christmas Eve. I bring out all the fancy dishes and we have hors d'oeuvres and kind of reception food. Right. And then, and we sing and you read the Christmas story. And this year we started talking after you read the Christmas story Mm -hmm. and everybody was talking about the Christmas season and the incarnation and what it meant that Christ came to earth and lived as a man and Mm -hmm. died Mm -hmm. so that we could be saved. And everybody was taking part. Right. And I felt so richly blessed to see our kids passionate about following Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, that's what John says. You know, I have no greater joy than to to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Well, it's It's, an incredible joy. It's a joy that is indescribable because we can't save our kids. You know, that's, that's up to God. And to see... His grace at work in their lives, man, it's just, it's so much joy. It's like, we'll burst your heart open. But, you know, as we, when you told me the, um, the mm-hmm. topic tonight, mm-hmm. that we're going to be talking about kids in big church. Yeah. I was thinking about how few Christian parents get to experience that joy with their young adults. Because the majority of kids raised in Christian homes are walking away from the faith. And that's one of the most disturbing things that we've heard. And we heard it several years ago when a study was being done of, of young adults who had been brought up in the church. You know, they were they were, um, they were were kids that went to church. Their, kid, their parents took them to church, took them to Sunday school. They were in youth group and everything else. And they asked them kind of, you know, now that you're adult, now that you're on your own, you're making your own decisions, your own lifestyle choices, um what's your what's your spiritual state and so many what a tremendous not a, a shocking number had walked away from the church and some you know a lot of them said well i'm spiritual but i'm not religious and there were a lot of them that were saying well i i don't have any affiliation but there was a number a much greater number than i would have thought that were saying i don't believe in god i don't know if i can't if i can even say that there is a God, you know, they're agnostic or they're atheists. They have rejected the faith of their parents. And you think, what, you know, what's behind that? What, what can we do to prevent that? Cause I mean, what, what a tragedy to a Christian parent. It's a huge tragedy. And you know, we've talked about some things. Mm-hmm. I think a huge thing as mm-hmm. that study bears out right. is relationship that we've got to build a good relationship with our kids 
because the Lord so often uses that in the lives of believers that, you know, mm-hmm. it was one of the biggest predictors that someone yeah. would not walk away from the faith. Right. Was that they had a good relationship with a Christian parent, with a Christian parent, either one, well, that father was, or mother. That was one of the strongest correlations in the study was that of those who remained in the faith, I mean, they may have changed denominations, but those who stayed in the faith one way or another had grown up with a strong relationship with a Christian father or a Christian mother or a Christian grandparent, but some yes. close family member had had been a witness to them, had been a an ongoing life witness of this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to follow Christ and to serve the Lord and and had, you know, been an example to them. And and so you know what? Uh, what? I want to be that person yes. that God can use in my kids' lives. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. I think too that there have been some changes in the past century in the way we do church. Right. The way yeah. we meet together as believers to on the Lord's Day. And mm-hmm. I wonder if, if that has something to, to do with it because, you know, the common way that most churches do Sunday morning is that the parents drop the kids off in at the nursery and then at the, you know, children's church. And the kids don't even make an appearance in big church, in the regular mm-hmm. church, right. the Assembly of the Saints, until there's six or seven or eight sometimes. Well, you know, um, I, how many places have we been to visit as we've, you know, moved around and traveled? I mean, we've been places and, and people very helpfully would come to us as we came in the door to say, oh, the nursery is this direction, you know, to, to say you can... Basically, you can drop off your baby over there so that you can go to big church and we'll take care of the little ones for you. And I am sympathetic to moms who feel overwhelmed and just want to listen in peace. I'm sympathetic to that. But we've got to ask ourselves what's best. And, you know, do you remember that church in California? I can never forget that. We walked in the door and, y'all, they had a sign over every door to the sanctuary Yeah, that said no children under, I think it was 12 maybe. Basically, no kids allowed in the main worship service, that and it was like blew my mind. I mean, this and this was a mega church. This was a big, you know, one of the biggest churches in that whole region. And the first thing that a parent encounters when they walk in is say, "Oh, don't bring your kids, kids not in." Welcome. Would they're not to be included in the worship service? I really wonder what Jesus would have had to say to that. I, one can only think. But you know. We decided early that we want our wanted our kids in church with us. And one of the things is mm-hmm. when we, the majority of children's churches do their best to entertain the kids. And I don't think it's a good idea to teach our kids that church is about them. That's and a, then suddenly mm-hmm. when they're five or eight or whatever the age is for coming to big church, suddenly now, oh, now you're not, impo- now you're not the center. Now God is the center. Well, someone someone said about evangelism and, and church growth that we should not be surprised if whatever we use to attract people to come to church, they demand to continue. And right. and you know if if it's just the same as if we use gimmicks to try to get the adults to come, they're going to want that same sort of gimmick, you know, because that's what attracted them. Well, you know, if Where's our kids show? if our kids grow <laughs> up, if our kids grow up with that sort of expectation, their first several years then there's a very good likelihood. And, and, you know, by first several years, let's, let's face it. A lot of times in the big churches, they, they go from the nursery, they go to the little children's church to the youth service, or, you know, they, they don't get integrated into the grown up services until they're grown up. Well, you know, 
there was a book that challenged my thinking on this very early. Right. Before we'd ever heard of bringing your children into into worship with you. Yeah. It was Edith Schaefer's book, The Hidden Art of Homemaking. Okay. And she talked about, or it might have been What is a Family? I don't remember. It's one of those two. But it was Edith Schaefer for certain. It was Edith Schaefer, and she talked about the value of worshiping with your kids uh-huh. and of being able to, to bring them alongside you to show them the glories of the gospel. And, you know, I was really encouraged that maybe we ought to try this. That was really intriguing, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I never seen that. But we decided that's what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. And this was almost 30 years ago. It, it was a long time. And I remember we were going to a small church. So it was one yeah. of those, you, you know, that can kind of go two directions. Like you could say it's small enough that um, that we can, they can be flexible about things. But sometimes, sometimes the smaller, um, small, sometimes small churches can be very set, can be oh, very yes. fixed. Um, you know, they, they may have a, a certain way they're going to do things and they don't feel flexible. So, so it could have gone either way, but you know, being young and idealistic and, and <laughs> courageous, we just charged ahead and thankfully they were flexible. It was a, it was a very sweet spirited group, but, um, yeah, from the very start, you know, we took our, we took our infant into the main service with us. Well, and I remember one of the things that you did is you looked at what does the word of God say? Does the word of God say anything about this? And, you know, that's what we always want to do. We want to say, okay, what does the word actually say? Yeah. It, okay. That's, that is so true. I mean, to the law and to the testimony, um, if they speak not according to this word, then there is no light in them. So we do want to, we always do want to go back to the word. What does the scripture say? I mean, we're talking about biblical family life. Okay. What does the Bible tell us about this aspect? But because I hear people say all the time. We need to have children in a separate service that's on their level. That is the godliest thing to do. And so I thought, well, if that were the godliest thing to do, maybe that's what we would see in the Word of God. Wouldn't we see some examples or some directions about that? And, and, you know, not to get all in the weeds of controversy over it, but simply to say, well, let's assume the best motives on everybody's part. What does the Bible tell us? Well, you know, interesting in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 29, when Moses called the congregation back together to, to reaffirm the covenant, he specifically said to, to bring your little ones. And in Deuteronomy 31, gather the people together, men and women and little ones, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law. That's Deuteronomy 31, 12. I mean, that, that sounds pretty inclusive. Well... Joel, too, I was just sharing with someone the other day. Mm. Um, they called a sacred assembly, and they specifically called for children and nursing babes mm-hmm. to be present. Right. And I thought, you know, wait, hang on a second. If the whole point of being there is that it's got to be on their level, why in the world is he asking for nursing babes? The nursing, yeah. I mean, the nursing babes, that you're not going to be able to teach to the level of a nursing baby. No. But they were included. They were invited. Um, and, you know, part of that. Part of that may have been because if you're bringing the nursing babes in, I mean, because some of these things were special events in the Old Testament, and they went on for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And if the nursing babes were welcome, that meant the nursing mothers could be there. Oh, yeah. And frankly, that also is true about church now. I mean, that, it is. that you know, if a mom is nursing a baby and they have a, they have a high-need baby, that mom is going to tend to care for the baby, and that might not make it easy for her to be in fellowship. Well, yeah. There's New Testament examples, too. Right. Um, for example, 
in Matthew 21, the children in the temple were crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Uh-huh. And the Jews wanted Jesus to silence them, but Jesus quoted Psalm 8 too. Psalm 8 too says that out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And that's children in the temple. Notice that. Yes. They were in the temple there. And um, yeah, and in Matthew chapter 11, you know, when Jesus was praying, he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Well, in Mark ten fourteen, where he said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. And we have examples mm-hmm. of Jesus lifting up children in the audience or of a boy with loaves and fishes. There were children present when Jesus was teaching. Children were present in, in the times when people were bringing children for the Lord to bless and the disciples tried to shoo them away. That's when, that's when Jesus said, do not forbid them. He, he said, let them. them come here. He rebuked his disciples who were trying to separate them. And so... You know, I think you can make a very good case, both Old Testament and New Testament, that the Lord expects and welcomes young people, even nursing babies, yes. even little children, to come into his presence in the, in the midst of the congregation. You know, I don't see a case that says, and, and shoo them away and, and you know, put a, a youth rabbi in charge of them, but rather yeah. bring them all in. Yeah, I, I don't see any, and you know, you, you got to be careful making policy from example. Right, that, sure. But I don't see ex- any example in Scripture of saying kids should not come, or of saying kids should be taught separately. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying you can't ever teach kids separately. There's definitely a time to say, kids, come here, let me explain to you how this works. And there are times in the business of the church where maybe you need to say, okay. This needs to be grown-ups only because we're going to talk about some very disturbing things, yeah. maybe some church discipline issues or, you know, something that the parents need to be warned of so that they can take that to their children. So there's there are times, I can yeah. understand that, just the same as there may be times when, say, I'd like to have a meeting with the men of the church. Or the women of the or church. Or the women of the church or but, whatever. You know, generally. Generally speaking. Generally, when we meet to worship God, it's not about us anyway. It's about him. And... When we meet together as families, I think it lays a foundation for our kids to understand that this is a precious, sacred duty that all of us of all ages owe. And something that can be joyful. Yes. It doesn't have to be puppets and and cookies. I mean, we can have joy in the presence of the Lord and in just in the act of worship, it can be joyful. But they need an example of that. They need an experience of that to be led into that. So I tell you what, let's talk about some practical ways to do that. That's because I know people are listening and saying, well, oh, that's great. What in the world? How in the world am I going to manage this? Yeah. Happy new year. I feel guilty already. <laughs> we yeah. don't mean to make you feel guilty. No, no, no. We want to, we want to help you. So maybe this is a year, maybe that was one of your resolutions. I want to take my children into a deeper relationship with the Lord this year. Uh, okay. Let's talk about practical. Well, first of all, if this is not a normal thing, in your church, then you need to develop a little bit of a thick skin because people will helpfully tell you, you know, you could put them in the nursery. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can, there's a children's church and you may yeah. find yourself explaining yourself a lot. We were in a church like that once that it made me feel very self-conscious. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting that when we came to that church, everybody was, there were no children in the service other than ours. And people were constantly saying to me, 
have you thought about putting, why don't, could you just, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember even the pastor um, just about rebuking me over it. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the, our time there, we were only there two or three years. Um, Maybe four years. I, I think it was longer than you think. Was but, it? Was it? But long? it was. But when we started, we only had three kids. I guess you're right. We it had was three, much we longer just, than but that. But we had three kids, four and under, when we got there. And By the time we left, everybody had their kids in church. Yeah, it it, it had it had changed the culture, and I feel like. And, and people specifically said, "I didn't know it was possible until I saw you and your kids." Well, you know, here's the thing: you got to be realistic about it. You got to be realistic about who you're dealing with, and you've got to be sensitive to the needs and the sensibilities of everybody else. Okay. You're in a community. Well, it's going to be a lot. You're going to have to work harder to keep your kids quiet. If you're in a church that's never had kids in the service. Right. Versus like our church is pretty tolerant of noise. We have some rather noisy kids and everybody just ignores it. And no, and nobody's bothered by it because it's normal. Right. But if you're, if you're starting out with a church that's maybe has been very quiet and very formal and you know they may not, they may not know what to do if a baby hiccups or something. And you know, and yeah. here's hey, guess what? The Holy Spirit doesn't leave the room if a baby burbles. You'd be surprised. And, but, a, and a baby burbling is no more disruptive than an old man coughing. Okay, so, but but I, okay, but so, I, I think your first thing is you well, got to recognize your children are are children. And there's going to be some noise. There and there's going to be times yeah. that you have to take them out, mm-hmm. and just expect that. Sit near the back. Sit where you can get out easily. Yeah. You know, um, it helps to practice at home. Okay. You know, we have family devotions mm-hmm. and from the beginning, right. our kids have known that you need to sit up and sit quietly when we're having devotions. That's right. And, you know, that's an encouragement too, to keep devotions sort of brief and snappy when they're little because they, they don't have a long attention span. But, you know, I remember teaching our little ones how to fold their hands and bow their head when we say, we're going to pray. Yeah. And, and they basically you teach them to get into a a prayerful position. Do they understand it? Not at first, but they understand. Oh, and and when they say that, I do this, and then I've got to be very, very still and quiet for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. One big thing about your kids behaving in public anywhere is to prepare them in advance. Okay. To make sure they know exactly what's going to happen and exactly what is expected of them. Mm-hmm. So before you take your kids to church for the fir- into the big church for the first time, right? You talk about what's going to happen. Uh huh. Yeah, we're gonna. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. Mm-hmm. The offering plate's going to be passed around. Right. Talk to them about communion and explain whether they should participate or not. Yeah. You know, and explain why. Yeah. What a great time to share the gospel with them. You mm-hmm. know, explain about the sermon and, you know, prepare them so that they know what to expect and they know there's going to be an end to it. Right. Okay. Um, you already mentioned, you know, be aware and sit near an exit somewhere. And, you know, we have seen a, a fair number of churches that have pews designated for parents with small children yeah. for just that reason. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and we need to be sensitive to other people. I mean, even if it's, even if your church always have babies in the room or young people, um, you need to be sensitive. If, you're, if your child's getting fussy, your child's starting to be a distraction to other people, just quietly tiptoe out with them. I mean, you want, you don't want to disrupt the service of the church. Right. Okay? So be sensitive to that. And, and, and let me encourage you. Mm-hmm. I remember a particular Sunday. Yeah. Walking around with a child and feeling like I have spent years walking fussy children. I will never, never, ever get to hear a complete church service again. Mm-hmm. 
but now I look back and it's been almost a decade since then, Ham. And, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't missed, a, haven't been able to, had to go out with a child in ages, years. And, you know, this uh-huh. time will come to an end. Mm-hmm. It's not going to always be like this. And in fact, as you get older children, sometimes a teen can take a child out to give you a break. Well, guess what? Dad can do this too. Yeah. I mean, if, if the baby needs to nurse, all right, dad's not going to be able to do that very well. But, <laughs> but I mean, there's no, there's no reason dad can't step out with the toddler and calm them down or, you know, take them to the bathroom or whatever the need is at the moment. That's something that, you know, we can spell one another to give one another a chance to hear more of the sermon. Now, let's talk though about, what do you do to keep them in the service? You know, we talked about when you need to take them out and take him out. But let's right. talk about keeping them in the service. And a lot of that is going to depend on your own church situation. Yeah. Some churches are very tolerant of uh-huh. things. Some are not. It depends on your convictions. Some people I know do not allow their children to have any books or notebooks even, or they've got to sit quietly and pay attention. Others mm-hmm. bring great sacks of toys. Yeah. Um, it well, de- it yeah. depends on, this is strictly up to you. This is a matter of Christian liberty. Yeah. I would rather your kids can do with their hands. Yeah. And particularly little kids. And that does not mean they're not listening. In fact, little boys particularly tend to listen better if they have something to do with their hands. I do, and I'm not a boy. Well, you know, if mom and dad are in the habit of making notes, then the kids will pick up on that, and the kids will want to imitate you. You know, even if they can't write yet, you can give them their own little memo pad and, and a, a pen or a pencil or something, and they can they can make marks. And, you know, and, and that kind of leads into something that, that either Schaefer... Well, let's talk about let, let's talk about toys and snacks a little bit more first, and then we'll uh, go to okay, this. Okay, okay, you go ahead. Okay. Right. Small snacks can help. Yeah. Toys that do not roll. <laughs> you uh, do, yeah. Toys that do not roll and do not make noise. Okay. And... What what is noisy depends a lot on whether you have a hard surface in your sanctuary or or carpet. Right. But things that are not noisy and don't roll, and things that that, that they can do with their hands, they can play with while they listen. Yeah. Are really helpful. Okay. Notebooks with stickers in them, things like that, uh-huh. can be helpful. And now let's talk about Edith Schaefer. Okay. One of the things that that Edith Schaefer talked about that that really made a made an impression on me was she said. Um, during the time that they had little small children, of course, now Frances Schaefer was up in the pulpit preaching, and so she was she was the pastor's wife, and obviously people saw what she was doing. Taking care of those littlest ones, she would have a notebook and a pencil, and she would illustrate the sermon as it's going on. And there were some examples of her illustrations. She was not a a great artist or cartoonist or anything, but as the as the pastor's as the pastor is sharing the stories from the scripture, she would draw little stick figures. You know, she would illustrate just the highlights, just the little highlights in there. And you, you start to realize when you start doing this, you, you can you can develop a certain style for doing it mm-hmm. where there's certain symbology like, you know, a king, you got a stick figure and you put little little points on his head to be a king with his crown, you know. Uh, when you illustrate God, we... I remember we used to use the letter G up in the sky with sunbeams coming off it, you know, just, just anything like that. Um, because you're, you're just using that to keep your child's attention and to try to, to, to yeah. put a picture in their mind. And some people aren't comfortable even with that much illustration of, of God. That's okay. Well, you know, you follow your own convictions here, right. uh, and encourage your kids 
as they get older mm -hmm. to listen and draw what they can. I remember giving a seven, six or seven year old, uh -huh. I think it was one of our daughters, yeah, a piece of paper and I divided it like into six or eight blocks. Yeah. And I said, okay, to, and I explained before we got there, today yeah. I want you to try to draw anything you understand yeah. from the sermon. Yeah. And how we got in there and he decided to preach on the qualifications of an elder. Yeah. And I thought, oh, no. Okay, this is one of the great, oh, wow. one of the great Bible stories from the children's scriptures right, right there. Wow, I thought this is going to be so hard. I can't believe I gave that to her. And I leaned over and I said, you don't have to do, do it today. And she just kept drawing. I thought she was drawing whatever she wanted to draw. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, she showed me, hell, she had a little illustration for each of the qualifications of an elder. So here's here's an elder who's got an orderly household. Here's yeah, he an had elder. A, she had a stick to, figure with little, with little child stick figures around uh, it. And, he, and she said, mama, an elder's got to have an, their house in order. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, she just illustrated everything. It was brilliant. <laughs> I was stunned. It but was great. Our kids are able to understand so much more than we imagine and give them credit for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our kids have been around adult teaching all their lives. Yeah. You know, we made that decision when our first was a baby. And all of them have grown up going to church with us. And... It's had a tremendous impact on their lives. You know, well, I'll talk about that in a second. You know, yeah. let's just say mm -hmm. the singing time is a lot easier if they already know the words. Yeah. And one thing that we've done to do that is we do we try to have a hymn of the week where we choose a different hymn or spiritual mm -hmm. song each week. And we sing all the verses every day. And we explain a different verse every day. Right. And it helps our kids learn a lot of hymns. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing to do, you know, because in the scriptures it talks about uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, that our music is not just to make us feel good. It's teaching. It's got content. And so when you explain the words and say, you know, explain to your child, now this, this song is actually a prayer to God. So you need to have in your heart, you need to be thinking, I'm singing these words like a prayer to God. Or, you know, these words are meant to encourage one another. We're singing to, to each other to be strong in our faith and to be to be uh, always moving forward with the Lord. You know, and so to, to explain the reasoning for the words, explain the meaning of the words, that just make it more uh, a richer experience for them. Yes, and it is perfectly all right to lean over and whisper a word mm -hmm. of explanation to your kids. Yeah. And sometimes it takes more than word of explanation. I remember one of ours one time leaning over and saying, Mom, I need you to go. I need you to go with me. I need to go out with you. Would you come out with me? And I'm like, what on the earth? And I went out, and this child had heard something the pastor said and become very disturbed by it and wanted uh -huh. an explanation. Uh-huh. And, you know, and I explained, and, and the child said, oh, okay, now I understand. Thank you. We can go back in now. <laughs> That's great. I mean, That's it's great awesome. that, that they're listening for understanding. That they're listening and that they're they're trying to process it. And if they're confused, they turn to their trusted parent and say, can you please help me? That's that's awesome. Well, I will never forget last year. One of our sons was here at home from college mm -hmm. and we had family devotions. And after the younger kids went back to what they were doing, he said, he said, Mom, Dad, don't ever stop doing that. I said, really? 
Well, you know, you gave us a hard time about it quite a bit when you were a kid. He he was yeah he was a stubborn child. And he said no. He said seriously, don't ever don't ever stop having family devotions. He said, you know, I've got a lot of Christian friends at, at college, mm-hmm. but hardly any of them know anything about the Bible. And he said, I didn't mm-hmm. really have any idea how much I knew until I got out in the world and I'd hear somebody say something and I'd say, whoa, that's not what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And he said. I think that even though I didn't even think I was listening, hearing the word of God again and again, day by day in our home and every Sunday at church, I learned a ton. That and that right there is a payoff. Right, that, because he it. wasn't, you know, all those Sundays he was squirming and wiggling and probably mm-hmm. wishing we would get out a lot of times, but he he was hearing and his soul was being fed. Yeah. And now that he's an adult, it's paying off awesome yeah so we want to encourage you i mean this year as you're looking at all the 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 great plans that you have and hopes and resolutions for for improving your your walk in your life um you know let's that we want to encourage you to consider this one maybe it's time that your kids come to the main service with you maybe even your your little ones and your nursing babes and if you ask them that afternoon what the sermon was about i think you'll be shocked at how much they understood Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, look, we want to encourage you on that. Well, we've done it, uh, not because we were wonderful, because actually we were we were a little bit bolder than maybe we should have been, but we, we've we done it, and so it can be done, and there are ways. And, and really, a lot of churches, I think, are more flexible to that for that now than they used to be so yeah so don't be don't don't feel like you've got to have super courage to do it it's, yeah it's okay just to say well we'd like to have our kids with us this week there you go yeah, make your decision week to week it's okay all right well look we've got a couple of resources we'll share with you on the show page just go to howlandmelanie.com slash radio and you scroll down to find this week's show page we'll have some links there for a couple of resources that are really helpful and we just want to encourage you um Join us again, because we want to talk about how do you take the the principles in Scripture and make a practical application, because that's where the difference happens, okay? So until next time, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. Thanks for joining us. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D. M-E-L-A-N-I-E dot com or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Alan Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening. <laughs>